another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice. That's Catherine Rubino. Chris Williams is with us. We are all from above the law, and we're here to chat about the big legal stories of the week, as we do all the time. But, you know, we're here. It's kind of what we do. It is. It is. Well, it's half of what we do. What's the other half? Well, we... You have say, a little bit of small talk. Did you say small talk is a full half of what we do? I mean, okay, it's, it's part of what we do. It's an element. Okay. Enough math. Weekend, Chris? Uh, I had a good weekend. Um, good. I, uh, I missed the last week. Sorry to all you out there in the listening world who missed my sultry tones. But good news is it was a good week. I was in uh, Florida. Got to see some family. Mm-hmm. I was there for my, uh, my cousin Isla's first birthday. Um, oh, it's just cool. I made the decision that, um, of all the cousins that she has, I'm going to be the best one. Uh, so if you're listening to this, uh, fellow combatants, um, I'm, I'm going to go full <laughs> Highlander. Like I'm learning my sword technique. I'm going to get a Zweihander. I'm so, pr- I mean, but like in a peaceful way, please don't use this against me in a future lawsuit, but it was great. It was great. <laughs> um, went to Disney. Um, Yay! I'm not a, I'm not a Disney adult. Uh, cough, cough, but I can see the appeal. Um, see, this is how it starts. They get ya. <laughs> it, becoming a Disney adult is like with most kinks. It starts as a joke and then it just <laughs> <laughs> ramps up. But yeah, what was I got, your favorite Disney ride? My favorite Disney ride was the only one I went on. It was a bumper car thing. And I, I got on it and I realized that this may shock some of you. I'm a nerd. Uh, because as I'm, I was, I was riding through it. I was just thinking about this one chapter in um, Practical Philosophy about Gil Deleuze, and I was like, "Oh wait, this is this feels like free will, but it's actually being controlled by something else." And then my date was like, basically, like, "Shut up!" And I was like, "I get it, I get it." But it was a very, <laughs> it was a very good time. So, so you went on like Tomorrowland Speedway? Is that what we're talking about? I can't think of it what else would be. I don't remember the names because again, the not little puttering adult. cars that are on rails. There were well, it was one, it was one car. We weren't allowed uh-huh. to hit the other cars. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. speedway. Yeah, that's like the only thing I would never ride. Um, <laughs> interesting. Hey, well, you know. Uh, oh, another thing is the the swag I picked up is mm. ridiculous. So one thing, Disney ride is 50th year. Also, mm-hmm. Disney's mm-hmm. only 50 years old? Like Disney World Disney is. World, Disney right? World. Okay, got you. That explains yeah. why 1928 was on the jacket that I bought, which I bought. Right. It was a bomber jacket, Mickey Mouse bomber jacket, and I'm going to bag at least three grandmothers in this jacket. It is so fly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, okay. Catherine, how are you? I'm doing well. I uh, had some friends over, did a little barbecue action, and, you know, we're in the middle of a heat wave here in the Northeast, so we did some swimming as well. Oh, good. How about you, Joe? Yeah, pretty uneventful. You survived. I suppose that is, should count as a victory of sorts. That is true. Uh, did survive the heat wave and storms and all. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that puts an end to this. Always eventful in uh, small talk, Joe. I mean, I, I don't know. I I, I made a... I'm, I'm, I've already blown the horn. I can't actually continue. <laughs> I, I think I'll allow it. I, you toot your own horn all the time, Joe. We'll uh, <laughs> I, I played around with... Some, uh, I, I have one of those whipping siphons that you can charge with NO2 and all. And I made a brown butter sauce that was really oh. good, you know. Look at you. So I played around with that sort of thing. Being all crafty and that. whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I did some cooking. What'd you put the brown butter sauce on? Artichoke. 
Ooh. See, Catherine has has much higher faith in you. I thought you were just spooning the brown butter in the mouth directly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's an unfortunate visual we have now given our <laughs> listeners. Oh, no. <laughs> so speaking of unfortunate statements, okay. that's a good transition. So It's as good as we're going to get, I'll tell you what. So, Catherine, you put together a story that was the big one of last week. So oh, tell us a little bit about that. I think that. I know what you're talking about. I would hope so, because I, in the production memo, it explained that that's what we're going to talk about you first. You know what? I think you give... You pretend that people read everything you write. Fight. Uh, but anyway, this uh, is a story um, about an attorney uh, who f- who fancied himself more clever than everyone else in the courtroom. He had recently lost a motion, and it was uh, he wished the after the motion said, "Oh, you know, I just want to." wish and named the male attorneys in the room. I hope you all have a good weekend. And to his adversaries who were both, who were all female, not both, but all female attorneys said, see you next Tuesday. Right. Which in case, and, and the poor judge um, <laughs> was like, that's very kind. I uh, did not know the, uh, the other meaning behind the phrase, see you NT um, <laughs> and uh, was unaware that they sort of had this hidden meaning when it was brought to the judge's attention. I was like, uh, you might want to check out this urban dictionary definition of CNX Tuesday brought everyone into his chambers for a meeting. And the attorney was like, Oh, I, I didn't think anybody would understand what I meant. So, okay. So the, the answer to being called out about this is I didn't think you'd figure this out. Mm-hmm. I said it was an, an, an in-joke between himself and someone else and his other folks in his office. And I'm like, and everyone else under the age of 45, maybe. Uh, yeah, I definitely <laughs> didn't is- get it. I thought I, I, my response to that was how when Northerners get told, bless your heart. And it's like, oh, they care about my heart health. Like, I had no clue. <laughs> so I was actually surprised, uh, actually, by exactly that reaction, Chris, because there was a ton of folks when it kind of the story blew up on social media. And um, one of the things that I found the most illuminating was the number of attorneys who responded was like, I had no idea that's what that meant or how many times have I been insulted and just never (laughs) understood. (laughs) But I I thought this was a very well-known insult. Uh, You know, uh, she's a real CNX Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that shows the the people you hang around because my friends don't say that. (laughs) Or maybe... People say that to Catherine a lot. I don't know. But wow. no, wow. I, no, well, yeah, I hey, am friends hey. with the likes of you, mm. so maybe I'm used to being insulted by obviously by not. Fight. <laughs> with that said, <laughs> with that said, though, this is actually an interesting question as an ethical matter. So when confronted, the answer, oh, I just assume nobody would figure it out uh, mm. is not a great answer. Mm. No, on the other like, hand, bro, that's not an excuse. <laughs> on the other hand, uh, part of me thinks, uh, I mean, you, you've been caught at this point. Mm. Uh, it seems like attempting to lie to the court further could only make it worse. You know, the funny thing here is it makes, here's my philosophy brain. I feel like it's kind of like a Barkley defense. Like if an insult is said in the middle of the woods, does anybody hear it? You know, it was like, 
if if nobody knew, I mean, it's still bad, but I, I guess that's the only direction that, that could make sense. Like, oh, I have no foul. Nobody understood it. Like, it was just like negligent or whatever. But, I mean, it's still dumb. Don't do it. Don't insult people. Uh, but And I guess this kind of it go- goes to the question of how, how many people folks could be expected to know it at a given moment. But uh, sort of, I think in in my peer group, I think sort of elder millennials would all be very, very familiar with this as an insult. And and I do wonder if maybe there's sort of a, a weird in-between time, a, a generational issue where some folks may not be as aware of it. But I mean, it's hard to come up with it. I'm certainly not saying lie to the court, right? Because right. that's, like, that's only going to make issue. it worse, right? But at the same time, you know, well, I mean, I guess I would not be insulting my opponents in court unless I was intent, unless I wanted everyone to know that I was, in fact, insulting my opponents. And and maybe that sort of goes to the he didn't think he'd get caught. He thought he was smarter, thought whatever. But the judge even said that not only was problematic because you use this sexist insult against your opponents, but also you tried to pull one over on the court and it was referred to uh, the disciplinary board as a result. It certainly, you know, is unacceptable, I think, at, at a minimum. But, uh, you know, this this attorney seemed to think that that he's he was the only one smart enough to get it. He and yeah. his buddies. Yeah, and I bet I, I'm really hung up on this discussion of whether you attempt to. You know, when, when you, it, it's a bad defense to say, I didn't think I'd get caught, but, but yeah, I, I, think, I, I didn't feel think like, smart enough. I feel like the only hope, the only hope you have in that situation is to come clean as quickly as possible, because it's not like they're going to, it's not like the judge is fooled anymore. So, but he, okay. But I think there's like a way that you can potentially come clean and be like, yes, I did make this insult to my opponents. It was said at the heat of the moment. Also not saying that you kind of did it as a oh, premeditation. I see. Contrition. It'd be like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm so sorry. It was the heat of the moment. It was a contentious argument. Uh, I let my emotions get the better of me, blah, blah, blah. But being like, oh, I didn't think you'd get it. Yes, that, that, I, Seems I see what you mean. Seems particularly insulting way to go about it. I see what you mean. Yeah, he no, that makes sense. A, he could have pulled a Walter White. Remember that that moment in, have y'all seen Breaking Bad? Mm-hmm. So remember the point where he's like, you caught me, like hands up. <laughs> <laughs> like still a dick, but it's like, eh, well, you know, you're going to be it. an asshole, commit to it. You know, I did it. I was kind of also surprised again how how many people admitted to not knowing that as a sort of undercover insult. But when I tried, when I was finding gifts to use in the story, there were plenty of see you next Tuesday options. So. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> what is this a reference to? Because the way you're saying Tuesday is very specific. Well, I mean, I think she's. Yeah, the well, first we time do I, know, we all get mm-hmm. what it's a reference to at this point, right? No, but okay. I think so. The the first one of the first times I ever heard it was on um, American Dad and the character okay. Roger. Although he doesn't say "see you next Tuesday," he says "catch you next Tuesday." But it's a very okay. like catty kind of, you know, because that character is meant to be like a Paul Lind uh, kind of you know caricature or whatever. But it's like she's a real see you next Tuesday. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think Chris knows who Paul Lind is, but no, I get. But, but I asked it because there was a there's a thing that I say totally not intend to call people cunts, but I'm just thinking about it. I mm-hmm. say um, like if if somebody if somebody's saying something like it is a, a regular occurrence, and to me it's like an everyday thing. I'm like it's a Tuesday. And it's from like, I think it's like a Mortal Kombat movie or something like something with the guy who was the husband in the Adams family. And he was the, um, not Mortal Kombat. It Street was, Fighter. Uh, Street Fighter. Street yep. Fighter. And there was this woman. She was mad like, you 
massacred my village. He was like, eh, it was a, to me, it was a Tuesday. So I was just right. wondering, like, because when I say it, I always have that in mind. I was wondering if the See you Next Tuesday thing was a reference to a movie. Which I believe is Raul Julia's final movie was oh. Street Fighter. Yeah. There you go. Anyway. No, it's just that it starts with the letter T. Yes. <laughs> Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Gee, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. So you also had a story about big law firms uh, and a memo that went around. Uh, if you'd like to jump into that discussion from the production memo that I sent you would know that this was the story we were going to talk about. Seems it, it, it was a very intense story. Oh, I remember now. <sighs> you know, I, I, I don't, I don't need, there was a lot of, I wrote a lot of stories last week as it turned out. Yeah. 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 Uh, but only, but only a couple of them were listed on the production memo I sent out. I've had a busy morning friend. Yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry. We can't all, keep only one thing in our mind like you can anyway whoa <laughs> uh this is uh yeah the litigation ahead at uh, the big law firm at aking gump sent around a memo to associates it turns out that folk that partners uh seemingly are having a difficult time getting associates to take on more work uh he said too many calls for help are either being ignored or met with, quote, I'm too busy. The problem, according um, to the litigation chair, is that that does not align with folks' timesheets. And indeed, the last two, month, uh, two months of billables have been particularly low. And uh, he, re he, he, was, he also makes a correlation between low billables and people not coming into the office as per the firm's expectations. They're doing sort of a hybrid schedule where you're not expected to come in five days a week necessarily. But there is an expectation that you're at the firm um, several days a week. And it makes that kind of correlation, which yeah, I'm skeptical that that's the reason, because let's not forget there were plenty of years during the height of COVID when everyone was billing plenty of hours from their house. But regardless, this is sort of the, the distinction he's making. And he asks associates to bring more, quote, intensity 
to their practice and also makes a plea for teamwork because we're all in this together, really. And, uh, you know, as a lapsed right, so Catholic, I kind of appreciated the guilt element as well. So there are two issues here. The one is that in the mind of the firm, folks aren't billing enough hours. Mm -hmm. And the other is putting aside how many hours are being worked, people aren't doing that work inside the office. Right. Okay. So to take the second one, second part first, mm -hmm. this is a recurring theme that we're hearing a lot about, which is the transition to a hybrid work model coming off of a couple of years where everyone was remote uh, that more or less proved that you could make a ton of money and bill a lot of hours while working remotely. So we have kind of a generational clash of folks who say, we've proven we can do this remotely. Why do we have to go back to an office? And folks saying, yeah, you do have to go back to an office. Now, so far, the big firms at least are not trying to push coming back five days a week, mm -hmm. but are saying that three to four days a week, people should be in the office, which from my perspective, sounds like a great deal, but it seems that associates are pushing back on that. Yeah. And, and I think actually in this email kind of trying to create that correlation between office and billables is a little bit problematic because mm -hmm. I think the way to sort of get more folks on board with coming to the office on a regular basis is saying, listen, we know, we know that in 2021 you build X number of hours and that was great. But I think that what firms and, and I think the more savvy firms are certainly doing is making trying to make the pitch anyway, that it's not about just about billable hours. It's about creating a sustainable uh, environment and also teaching the next generation of attorneys at the firm. Also you known know, as Joe's pitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, well, but it, it certainly it's, seems it's. It, it, Listen, a mid-level associate can continue, right? A senior associate knows what they're doing, but trying to get the younger folks, the first, second year associates to understand, you, there's so much you pick up in an office environment where you're not even trying mm -hmm. uh, to learn not just how to lawyer, but how a particular firm does it, what it does. And we also know that that's true because there's been a bunch of surveys done of incoming summer associates or first year associate classes. And they have all said that they overwhelmingly are looking to come into the office at least part-time. To be fair, on an email chain, see you next Tuesday would be sunt. <laughs> so there's that kind of coming back to the office issue. Uh, but then there's that second question of how many hours are folks billing? And is, you know, we've been talking for a while now that, you know, work in big law is slowing down a bit. Folks are talking, projecting the potential for layoffs which, you know, kind of coming off the high of 2021 seems a little, a little, a little bit of a shock to the system, which I completely understand. But it is certainly talk that is going around. And I think it's something everyone has to be aware of. And, and listen, I don't, I don't know what associates in litigation at Aiken Gump are billing. I, I don't have access to their timesheets. But if you're there and you're on track to bill 1600 hours right now, it might be you might want to react with intensity, uh, as, as the firm would like, you know, if you're on track to bill 2,100 hours and the firm, you know, there's a feeling, well, maybe you could squeeze out 2,400 hours. Sure. Maybe, maybe take a couple, the summer months that are a little bit slower, you know, take that as a well-deserved break. 
But, you know, there's also plenty of talk about layoffs. And I don't think you want to be thought of as someone who's been shirking their overall responsibilities when, you know, partners are saying we're making calls, we're asking people for help and no one is responding. I don't think you want to be the kind of person that's thought of that way when rumors about potential layoffs are swirling around. Oh, yeah. Unless you don't care about being laid off. Right. (laughs) And that's a thing for folks who haven't been through it before. Layoffs, Mm -hmm. Layoffs come, they come and go. And it's one of those situations where it is always the oncoming train at the end of the tunnel. Like it, ev- everything's good in big law until the moment it isn't. Mm-hmm. And don't think that layoffs can't come because we just had a great year. That's almost always how it goes. Yeah, There's mean, a listen, fantastic year. 2008, 2009 was after super high billables yeah. in 2007, right? These things happen and they're never fair. You know, it's not that. It's not that the worst associates are the ones who bear the brunt of the down in economy. It's, that's just not true. You might be the one who has to sort of bear it. And if, if there's any warning signs like there are right now, use that to your advantage. Be aware. Don't be caught sleeping because, you know, you just were like, well, I bailed a lot last year. That's not always enough. And if you're the if you're the person or on a, in a group of folks that are thought of as not trying hard, not being team players, that's that's an easy call for the firm. If they have to cut someone, th- th- don't make it easy for them to let you go. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair. Uh, it's not going to be useful. fair just because yeah. you had a great 2020. Yeah, they've already collected that money. They no longer care about that time. Yeah, and the market changes. Your practice group mm-hmm. may not be useful at this point, and a decision needs to be made. And that's why, in some ways, more important than the numbers, the hard numbers of ours, is this phrase "team player" yep. because that shows the sort of subjective impression that mm-hmm. the firm has and of you. And listen, it's not fair. It's often used to hide all sorts of ill motives, but. It is still continues to be uh, sort of an important factor when folks are making these decisions. So, uh, so they're be giving careful. you, a, yeah, and they're giving yeah. you a heads up now. Yeah, be careful. Be ve- tread very lightly when firms start talking like this mm-hmm. because it may it may not be justified, but it but it is uh, right, and you should right. be aware. And, aware. And you know, listen, this is the folks at Aiken giving giving the litigation department a heads up, but if this sounds at all familiar and you're at a different firm, take it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know, uh, try agreed. try to try to use this information to help your own career. Well, we're back and let's finish up by talking about the bar exam, which is going on right now for everybody listening to this. So that means for a large segment of our audience, you're probably listening to this a little bit late this week uh, mm-hmm. because you're doing the bar exam. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about, there's a there's just so many injustices involved in the bar exam as a whole concept, but this one deserved some special attention, which is, I, I mean, I, I honestly thought this was a joke when I first saw it. Uh, I had hoped, uh, <laughs> I, I, that in fairness, I'd hoped. I, w- I didn't think it was a joke because I was pretty confident it was real. I just hoped that it wasn't. Uh, the New York bar exam, in particular at its Javits Center location, they have other locations, of course, but their Javits Center location released a menu where you could buy your lunch to eat during the bar exam. You know, it's a two-day exam, so 
two days worth of lunches. Sure, it, 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 it kind of eases the process. You don't have to worry about waiting online, uh, you know, during the limited time that you have off. You don't have to, if you're not from the area specifically, you may not know where all the fast food and or delis are. Because Google is a thing that doesn't exist and it, it takes, be on your phone. But it also takes one less thing that you have to worry yeah. about during that. Sure. Only you get, only get one hour. Not everyone's relaxation is waiting online. So take a little bit off and get your order of food delivered right to you. Or, as the case may be, maybe don't do that. <laughs> uh, because the bar exam is charging between 33 and $53 for boxed lunches. That is absurd. A $53 lunch consists of a turkey sandwich, pasta salad, potato chips, a cookie, and graciously includes a bottle of water. That is 53. To be fair, these people just spent $200,000 to learn from Google how to be a lawyer. What's another 53 bucks? See, so so that's so that means over the course of the exam that's 106, which yeah. I, I, that's you two minutes really... of your con law professor talking about how the founding fathers think abortion is great. Well, but think, well, but no, think whatever. about all it's the really take. great food you can get in Manhattan for $53 a pop. Like you could get you could get some significantly better food than a dry turkey sandwich and a thing of potato chips. Within walking distance of the Javits. Oh, look, the Javits Center is not exactly in a hotbed area, but it is True. better. Uh, they have now built the Hudson Yards area, which has eateries in there. You can you're within walking distance of a Shake Shack. I know. I when For I did it a lot less than fifty three dollars. Yeah, when I did it, I was able to walk a little closer to Port Authority, which is about a you know probably like a twelve to fifteen minute walk, which you know is significant. But up there, it's just fast food everywhere. So there are better options for you than $33 to $53. Obviously, at this point, anybody who's taking advantage of this has already paid it. But this is for anybody out there who might be doing this in the future. Like this, the bar exam is a broken system for a lot of reasons. Uh, there's not really a great reason why we make people take a doctrinal test from memory to perform a job that is about research. That seems that a, a job about research where people are specialists instead of generalists anymore, largely. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to have a bar exam in the first place. But this just really speaks to the overall contempt of the licensing process. Uh, we have this horrible exam that nobody actually sees as a benefit to protecting the public or ensuring that people are qualified lawyers. And on top of that, they're perfectly willing to charge you over $100 for two boxed lunches. People out there, you should be mad about the existence of the bar exam. Uh, you should be doing whatever you can. Uh, you know, everyone's busy, but if you aren't doing what you can to directly get involved with state bars to push back on the existence of this. Do what you can to support people who are making those decisions. State reps, state senators, mm -hmm. the folks who choose state Supreme Court folks, uh, state bars often are really the people doing this. So get involved there. Yeah, and I think it's also important because I think that a, a lot of the momentum in favor of the bar exam is a kind of attitude of, well, I went through it, so the next generation should right. have to do it too. And if you're at all outraged at the bar exam process, kind of getting rid of that instinct is super important. Mm -hmm. 
I just know no. if there was someone yeah. selling hot dogs out front of that for like 10 bucks a pop, they would have made a killing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- that's a good point. Well, in fairness, the 53 stands. was, in fact, the um, kosher, and right. that was an added. It is even more difficult, I think, to find a kosher meal under those circumstances, which I think All is beef hot dogs for 15. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, well, that's why his suge- uh, Chris's suggestion about Hebrew the National. hot dog, yeah. Uh, Hebrew National cart should be right there in front of the Javits Center. I think you're right. You could uh, really, really rake it in there. It's unfortunate, but good luck to everybody out there who is taking the exam at this point. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know, odds are in your favor. All Maybe that sort odds of thing. Be ever in your favor. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, thanks for joining us all today. You should be subscribed to the show, leave it reviews, all those sorts of things help people find the show. You should be reading Above the Law so you hear these stories and more as they happen throughout the week. You should check out The Jabot, Catherine's other podcast, or the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable that I'm on. You can check out a bunch of other shows that none of us are on, but are nonetheless awesome that are on the Legal Talk Network. We're available on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. He's at Rights for Rent. And yeah, I think that's, I think now that's everything. Peace. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.